Hello and welcome to Turning Point Sermons. My name is Cameron Howell and I sure am excited that you're here today. We have a special sermon for you today by Pastor Tyler Gillett entitled, Losing Heart or Gaining Strength. Well, all throughout the New Testament, believers are repeatedly warned not to faint. Jesus gave a parable in Luke 18:1 to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Paul is listing some of the challenges that he faced in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, and 6. And he said, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. He encourages believers in Galatia, Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The writer of Hebrews counsels us for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. Now, Paul is saying something very similar to the Ephesian believers. Look at chapter 3, verse 13. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Paul says, I'm in prison. I may not ever see your faces again, but I don't want you to faint because I'm suffering these tribulations for you. We've actually talked about this word a lot on Wednesday nights. The word faint means to lose heart, to lose courage, to become weary. We might even say to grow discouraged. And ladies and gentlemen, believers growing faint is a real possibility. If it wasn't, the Bible wouldn't warn us about it so many times. It's a real problem. According to Galatians 6, 9, it causes us to miss God-given opportunities. And we won't reap all the fruit that God intends for us if we grow discouraged and we lose heart and we give up. I was reminded this week about an article written by a mother that must have lost heart repeatedly. The article, some things I've learned from my children. One thing I've learned, she says, if you hook a dog leash over a ceiling fan, the motor is not strong enough to rotate a 42 pound boy wearing Batman and Superman pajamas. I've learned that if you spray hairspray on dust bunnies and ro roll over them with a skateboard, they can ignite. Wow. She said, I've learned that when you hear the toilet flush in the words, uh-oh, it's already too late. <laughs> I've learned certain Legos will pass through the entire digestive tract. <laughs> it's a miracle those children aren't dead and that mother isn't in jail. Well, on a more serious note tonight, all of us know what it is to lose heart. And over the last few months, you have probably battled emotional and mental fatigue. In fact, how many of you would be honest enough to admit that you've battled discouragement this year? Would you raise your hand? And mine is raised right there with you. Look, losing heart is possible for any of us. It's most certainly a problem. Besides the effect that it has on us emotionally, it's not pleasant. Besides the effect that being discouraged has on the people around us, it causes us to miss out on some great things that God has for us, some fruitfulness. How many of you understand we can't effectively represent the king if we're discouraged? 
I can't be the parent God wants me to be or the spouse he wants me to be or the pastor or the servant or the witness or the friend that God wants me to be if I am constantly discouraged. And you can't do what God has called you to do if you're constantly discouraged. Now, here's the good news. While losing heart is a possibility and it is certain a problem, there is an alternative. Look at verse 14. Paul says, for this cause, in other words, so you won't lose heart. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Paul says, I don't want you guys to quit because I might die. I don't want you to lose heart because you won't see me as your mentor and spiritual father anymore. I don't want you to lose heart. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ and ask that you would not lose heart. Can I just make a real practical point here? When it comes to dealing with discouraged people, Paul doesn't preach to them. When it comes to dealing with discouraged people, he prays for them. And he lets them know that he's praying for them. And I think a practical word of application is if you're discouraged, the, the surest, quickest way to get your heart back is to pray. And here Paul's going to show us how to pray. And if you're ministering to discouraged people, the best way to help them is to pray for them and let them know you're praying for them. All right, verse 15. What particular are you praying, Paul? I'm praying that God would grant you, Ephesian believers, in danger of losing heart, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. I don't want you to lose heart, so I'm praying that you will gain strength. I'm praying God would grant you a supernatural spiritual strength that will more than compensate for the circumstances that would cause you to lose heart. And like an IV would infuse strength and health to a physical body, Paul is praying that God will infuse his strength, his supernatural strength into the lives of his discouraged people. And ladies and gentlemen, I think that's exactly what God wants for us tonight. He does not want us to lose heart. He does not want us to be discouraged. He does not want us to quit. He wants us to gain strength. So my question tonight, this is the title of the sermon is, are you gaining strength or losing heart? Look at your life right now. Are you gaining strength or losing heart? Now look at verse 16. Notice the kind of strength that Paul is praying for. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened, okay, what kind of strength? With might. The word might there is the word dunamis. It's a familiar word. It's used 119 times in the New Testament. It's translated into English several different ways. Power, might, strength, ability. It is dynamic ability. It's often the word that is described, uh, it all, it's often the word that's used to describe the kind of power God uses when he does a miracle. So the kind of power God does when, when Jesus walks on water, the kind of power God does when he feeds the multitude, the kind of power God does when he raises up Lazarus from the dead. He's praying, I'm praying that you would be infused with that kind of strength. Now, Romans 1 tells us 
that the gospel is the power, the dunamis of God and the salvation to everyone who believed. So Paul here is talking about the kind of power that saved us. In Acts 1.8, the apostles would receive power, dunamis. After that, the Holy Ghost had come upon them and they would be witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And just think for a moment of the power that the apostles showed in the book of Acts. Pretty incredible power, wasn't it? Gospel preaching, demon defeating, world changing kind of power. That's the kind of power Paul's praying for, for these discouraged Christians. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul was dealing with a thorn in the flesh. God told him that because of that thorn in the flesh, Paul now qualified for a greater form of power than he'd ever known. You remember what God said. He prays, Paul does, three times that the storm would be removed and God comes to him and says, no, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, my dunamis is made perfect in weakness. You know what kind of power he's talking about here? The power that keeps us going when we're facing adversity and difficulty. Paul said later in that passage, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ would rest upon me. In other words, this power is so wonderful, I will gladly be sick. I'll gladly have a thorn in the flesh. I will even glory in these firmities if it will qualify me for this kind of power. In Romans 15, 13, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit makes us to abound and overflow in joy and peace and hope. Look now at verse 20. Paul says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power, and guess what word that is, dunamis, that worketh in us. So Paul says, don't you understand? This power that I'm praying for is actually already at work in you. You may not feel it, you may not acknowledge it, you may feel disconnected from the power of God, but it is a matter of truth that the dunamis power of God is working in you and is available to you. And just think about how much power it took to save us. Think about how much power God gave to the apostles in the early church. Think about how much power Paul had because of his thorn in the flesh. And Paul says to the Ephesians, don't you recognize that power is already at work in you and it's available to you. And because it is, you don't have to lose heart. That's the kind of strength. But notice in verse six, the source of strength. That you would be strengthened with might by his spirit. Now, class, who's he referring to there? To the Holy Spirit, right? The third person of the Godhead that indwells all true believers. Now, just a few quick things about the source of our strength. I notice, first of all, he is an abundant source. How many of you understand that it's good theology to believe that the Holy Spirit is not a lesser deity? Right? He is co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent with God the Father and God the Son. Just as much God as the other two. Now, looking back in the verse, the Holy Spirit grants us strength according to the riches of his glory, the riches of his glory. So it's God's strength given to the Holy Spirit, an abundant source of power given in accordance to the riches of God's glory. So let's ask a question tonight. How much strength does God have? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> 
He didn't break a sweat when he created the universe in seven days, did he? He had no problem walking on water, casting out demons, or raising the dead. God is rich in strength. You know what that means? He has more than you need. When you feel depleted, discouraged, burned out, depressed, God in heaven has more power than you need. There is no power shortage in heaven tonight. It's an abundant source. Not only that, the Holy Spirit is an available source because he lives in you. <laughs> he never leaves you or forsakes you. The Holy Spirit of God is available to the believer 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and 366 on leap year. The Spirit never goes to sleep. He never gets sick. He never takes vacation days. His phone never goes dead, and he is never out of range. He is available to deliver God's dunamis power to you whenever you need it, whenever you're losing heart. And whatever the source of your trouble tonight, whatever the thing in your life that's causing you to lose strength, don't forget the source of your strength. He has abundant strength and he is available to you whenever you need him. Notice next, the location of the strength. To be strengthened with mine by his spirit in the inner man. What's he talking about there, the inner man? Well, folks, there is a material part of you, the part that we can see and the part that can be touched. There is a material part of you that is your outer man. There is also an immaterial part of you, your soul, your heart, your spirit. A lot of these words are synonyms for the immaterial part of you. That's the inner man. Now, we all know what to do when we lose strength in the outer man. We can get some rest. We can get some relaxation, go on a vacation, get some sleep. If we're sick, take some medicine. And many times our body and soul are so connected that when one gets sick, the other feels symptoms. I mean, if you are worn out and burned out physically, you're probably going to feel that in the immaterial part of you as well. So take care of your temple. Very, very important. But how many of you understand that there is a weariness that rest and relaxation and amusement cannot solve? There is a weariness in the inner man. That's where we need strength the most. And that's the place where only God can give it to us. You know, it is possible for our outer world to thrive. But for our inner world, our inner man to be in crisis. If you don't believe that, just look at this world's wealthy and powerful and strong. I mean, outwardly, they have it all. They have everything the material world has to offer, but they're often filled with rage and anxiety and despair and depression. It is possible to have everything there is in the outer world, but yet to have an inner world that is in crisis. But did you know that for the believer, it is possible for our outer world to be in crisis and for our inner world to thrive? Our outer man, our outer circumstances not doing well, but our inner man strong. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, though our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed, recharged day by day. And you may have come in here tonight and you're discouraged and you've lost heart. And I have to tell you, God may not change the circumstances of your outer world that led you to lose heart. 
but he is able to deliver you dunamis power to your inner man that will renew you day by day, allowing you to handle whatever he assigns or allows for that particular day. It's possible for your outer world to be going really bad and to be strong and thriving in the inner man. And the Bible says, by the way, as your days, so shall your strength be. Whatever the day demands, God's strength will be there to mean it. Now, whatever you're facing tonight, it's no match for the supernatural strength delivered by God himself at the time and in the place where you need it most, in the inner man. One of my favorite authors recently is Andrew Murray. He wrote a lot about prayer. I've been reading his books and I was reminded of his story. He was a well-known pastor in the late 18 and early 1900s. Again, his books on prayer are classics. On one occasion, Murray was preaching at the famous Keswick Conference at Exeter Hall in London, about as big as an English preacher can get. After preaching to thousands one night, he returned home to the home of some friends. They were sitting around fellowshipping and a letter came for him. He opened up the letter, not knowing the contents. He read it in front of all of his friends. Well, the letter turned out to be highly critical. The author viciously attacked Murray for preaching false doctrine. Everybody in the home was angry. How dare this person write this letter and accuse Andrew Murray of false doctrine. Murray simply said, if I'm teaching false doctrine, let's pray and ask the Lord to show me. They knelt right there, prayed about the letter and went to bed. Well, the next morning, Murray was still feeling bad about the letter. You ever gotten an email or a letter and boy, you just thought you were over it, but boy, it just keeps eating at you. He was dealing with that too. So he decided to stay in bed for extra rest and prayer. He took out a pen and wrote these words. He said, in time of trouble, I will say, first, he brought me here. It is by his will I am in this straight place. In that fact, I will rest. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace to behave as his child. Then he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons that he intends for me to learn and working in me the grace that he means to bestow. Last, in his good time, he can bring me out again, how and when he knows. Let me say I am here, number one, by God's appointment. Number two, in his keeping. Number three, under his training. Number four, for his time. See what happened? Murray decided he would not lose heart. He would gain strength. And the next day, he lovingly went to his critic, ironed out their problems, and made his critic his friend. The point tonight, when we face circumstances that threaten to discourage us, let's not lose heart. Let's gain strength. It's available. Now, in the rest of the passage, and we'll hit these quickly tonight, Paul gives us three habits of people who gain strength. Would you like to be the kind of person who when discouraging things happen, you don't get discouraged, but you actually get stronger? Everybody for that? If you're in favor of that, say amen. All right, Paul is praying. And in this prayer, he's going to give us three habits of people who don't lose heart. They gain strength. Now look at verse 17. Once you've been strengthened in the inner man by, uh, by the spirit, verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. Here's the first habit of people who gain strength. 
they surrender everything to Christ. They surrender everything to Christ. Now, this first phrase can be confusing because here Paul is, he's writing to Christian people and praying that, God, that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. And you say, I thought Christ already lived in my heart as a Christian. I thought I could never lose him. Well, listen, he certainly does live in your heart if you're a Christian. He's coming to your life through the person of the Holy Spirit and you can never lose him. So what's Paul praying for here? Well, he says in verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your heart. That's a really special word. It literally means to dwell down, to dwell down. I like to see it this way, to make yourself at home. He's praying that Christ would make himself at home in their hearts by faith. Now, how many of you understand this evening that there's a difference in staying somewhere and making yourself at home? When you have house guests, you say to them, make yourself at home. But you don't really mean it. <laughs> you don't want them to go through your medicine cabinet. You don't want them pulling out the drawers on your desk or your nightstand. You mean make yourself as comfortable as you possibly can, but please don't make yourself totally all the way at home. There are some things that are off limits. What Paul's praying is that the Ephesians will be so surrendered to Christ that there'll be no area of their life that's off limits. No locked cupboards, no locked closets, no locked drawers. Every single aspect of their lives surrendered. No relationship he can't have. No past hurt you won't let him heal. No dirty sin you won't let him clean up. No hope or dream that he can't redirect. It means that he has the key to every aspect of your life. Let me ask you this evening. I think this is really the most convicting question a Christian can be asked. Can you honestly say that you are fully surrendered to Jesus Christ tonight? Lock, stock, and barrel. That he lives in your heart, but also that he is at home in your heart. Because listen to me. A divided heart is a faint heart. James said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When you shut off aspects of your life and you refuse to surrender those to him, you are shutting off the source of your power and your strength. People that don't lose heart but gain strength are people who surrender everything to Jesus Christ. All right, here's the second thing. They surrender everything to Christ, but they stand in the love of Christ. Boy, I love these verses. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. One of the things that people who don't lose heart but gain strength do is they surrender everything to Christ. But here's another thing they do day in and day out. They stand in the love of Christ. He says, I'm praying, verse 17, that you will be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded are words of, that are describing stability, right? Rooted is an agricultural word, grounded an architectural word. Think for just a moment about the roots of a great tree. 
Think about the foundation of a skyscraper. What Paul is saying is that just like the roots below the ground and the foundation below the building gives stability to the tree or stability to the building, the love of God in your heart will bring stability to your inner man when the winds of discouragement start blowing. Things will happen in life that could cause you to lose heart, but because you have rooted and grounded yourself in the love of God so deeply, you will not lose heart. There'll be stability. Now, how do you get that kind of stability from God's love? Well, he says in verse 18, you've got to comprehend it. If you're going to be rooted and grounded in God's love, you have to comprehend it. The word means to grasp or to seize. It was also used to describe sacking a city and plundering it for all its wealth. What Paul is doing here is he is describing a daily examination and a daily study of the love of God. He says, if you want real stability, if you don't want to lose heart, if you want spiritual strength, learn to stand in the love of God. And if you want to stand in the love of God, you have to study the love of God. Look at it from every angle. Try to understand its breadth, its length, its depth, its height. Though it passes knowledge, you need to try to know it. Though it will blow your finite mind, you need to do your best to lay hold of it and comprehend it. A.T. Pearson once asked famously, how wide is the love of God? It's as wide as the outstretched arms of Christ on the cross. Wide enough to take everybody in. Broad enough to reach even you. How long is the love of God? Pearson says he loves us with an everlasting love. There was never a time when God did not love you. His love reaches from everlasting to everlasting. It spans two eternities, eternity past and future. Mr. Pearson, how high is the love of God? It's higher than the highest star. It's as high as the highest heaven. As high as the highest throne, it lifts us up to heaven. It lifts us up to God. How deep is the love of God? It's deeper than all our problems and our pain. Deeper than all our distresses and disasters. It's deep enough to reach down in the depths of all our sin and our grief to pluck us out. Isn't that wonderful? Listen, when's the last time somebody told you that God loves you and that he really loves you? And when's the last time you reminded yourself that God loves you? Do you meditate on the love of Christ? Do you think about it? Do you analyze it? Do you study its dimensions and how it applies and works out in your life? He said, to be honest, Pastor Gillette, I don't really study anything like that. Yes, you do. You study your problems like that. You study every dimension of your problems, don't you? You know them front and backwards and up and down. And that's why we lose heart. 
And Paul says, instead of studying the dimensions of your problem, why don't you start studying the dimensions of the problem solver? And when you do, you will not lose heart. You'll gain strength. He says, when you start to think about the love of Christ this way, it's height, it's breadth, it's length, it's depth. Meditate on it, root and ground yourself in it. When it becomes the thing that gives you stability in life, you know what'll happen? You'll be filled with all the fullness of God. In other words, you will find in the love of God everything you really need. Isn't it true that one of the reasons we often lose heart is that the roots of our lives are dug down into the sinking sand of the approval of other people or the eroding coastline of pleasant circumstances. Paul says, what I'm praying for you is that you will learn to ground and root yourself in the unconditional, unchanging love of God because no matter how hard the wind blows, that foundation will never shake. If you know the love of God, you don't have to lose heart, all right? Here's the last thing. The last habit of people who don't lose heart but gain strength, they live for the glory of Christ. They stand in the love of Christ, but they live for the glory of Christ. Look at verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. What's Paul praying for? For strength, right? You folks are, I'm afraid you're going to lose heart. I'm in jail. You'll never see me again. I don't want you to quit after I go away. Yes, I'm facing suffering and tribulation, but don't lose heart. Gain strength. Keep going. He's praying for strength. And he gets down to the end of this, and it's almost like this spontaneous combustion of praise in the heart of the Apostle Paul as he remembers something. The strength of God is for the glory of God. Why does God give his people strength? So they can use that strength in the inner man to glorify God. As we often say around here, the power of God is for the purpose of God. God is not about to give me his power for my purpose. He's not interested in helping me carry out my purpose. God is not about to give me his strength if I am living for my glory. God's strength is for God's glory. And people who don't lose heart, but they do gain strength when discouraging things happen, they have decided that their lives are going to be lived for the glory of God and whatever strength God gives them, they're going to use it for his purpose. Now, here's the question tonight. Are you losing heart or gaining strength? You may have come to church this evening discouraged. All of us have come to church discouraged before, okay? It's possible for any of us and it is most certainly a problem. You know you're not the joyful servant of the Lord that you want to be when you're discouraged. What Paul is praying that the Ephesian believers will recognize, he wants them to recognize that there is more than enough strength for you to compensate 
for whatever is causing you to faint. What can I do, Pastor Gillette, to not lose heart and gain strength? Well, first of all, let me ask you, have you asked for it? That's what Paul's doing here, right? He has heart, but he's afraid the Ephesians will lose it. So what does he do? He bows his knee and he asks God for it. Have you asked God for his strength? We look to the world for strength. We look to our finances for strength. We look to drugs and alcohol to strength. Have you looked to God for strength? Have you asked him for it? Let me ask you tonight. Are you fully surrendered to Christ? People that know his strength have fully surrendered their lives to Christ. He is at home in their heart. Or is there something between your soul and the Savior tonight? Let me ask you this evening. Are you standing in the love of Christ? Have you been staying up all night studying the problem or studying the problem solver? And then let me ask you, are you living for the glory of Christ? Because he only gives his strength for his glory. We're facing difficult times as a culture and certainly you may be personally. And when we do, we can lose heart and a lot of people are, or we can gain strength. And my prayer for you, people of Worth Baptist Church is the same as Paul's. May God grant to all of you to be strengthened with his might by his spirit in the inner man. Let's pray together. Man, what an important message about, you know, mental health um, and the importance of helping people who are going through depression and struggling with these sorts of uh, mental hurdles that uh, many of us face, really. Um, and the importance of not preaching at or, you know, getting on our high horse or being judgmental of those people who are struggling with that, but instead coming alongside them, working with them, helping them, being an encouragement to them, uh, and so many other aspects of that that we have got to add to our lives as we support the body of Christ. You know, a few questions of application that you may want to consider. Uh, first of all, are you praying actively and deeply uh, for the people in your lives that you know are struggling? Are you on a regular basis bringing their name to the Lord um, in regards to the, the mental anguish and depression that they're facing? Now, maybe you're the one dealing with depression. Are you looking to God for his strength or are you trying to do it all on your own? Is there something between you and God that's holding you back from uh, accepting his power in your life? And are you focused on the problem or are you focused on the problem solver? And so many of our issues in life happen as a result of our focus on ourselves, our selfish mentalities, and our purposes that don't fall in line or coincide with what God has purposed for our life. Our job is to live for the glory of God and for his purposes. And when we do that, the rest of our life is going to fall in line. Well, I'm sure excited that you joined us today. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you.